Hello and welcome back to The Intersect. This is Nabil here and we are talking about the intersection of business, technology, and learning. Really excited today to have uh, a duo of uh, experts in the field, Rashawn Richards and Steve Valentine. Guys, how are you? Doing well, Nabil. Thanks for having us on. Yep. Thank you. All right. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, you know, the, the work that you do, but I know you also have had a, a book that you recently co-authored. So we'll, we'll get into that as well. And uh, how about we just jump into it? So uh, maybe Steve, would, would you mind just starting out, just telling us a bit about yourself and your work in 30 or so seconds? Sure. So my, my day job, the job that takes up most of my, my bandwidth is um, I'm a school administrator at a, a private school in Montclair, New Jersey. Uh, also a teacher. I've been teaching for 20 years, so I, I consider that my main craft. Uh, and I'm a writer, and most recently um, published this book with Rashawn called Make Yourself Clear. Very nice. I, I like the succinctness, so, so thanks for that. Uh, Rashawn, you want to do a quick intro? Yes, I'm going to try to be as succinct, succinct <laughs> as Steve. So I am uh, also an administrator at an independent school up in Connecticut, and I'm also the founder and uh, board chair of a company called Explain Everything. And then I'm a faculty member at two different graduate schools at Columbia University. Perfect. Very nice. So let's, uh, let's start talking about the book. It'll make yourself clear. I've, I, I do have a copy. I've read it really great. Lots of uh, good things in there and lots of things I find personally relatable. Could you talk about maybe Steve, uh, could you talk about how you came up with the idea of writing a book on making yourself clear? I think the audience would be really interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the first thing is it's, it's really a book um, about teaching and it's a book that is for um, both teachers and, and non-educators to basically just spread ideas about what good teaching looks like. So the title is, is uh, you know, it works, but I, I want to boil it down to that it's a book about teaching. And the idea really came out of this long conversation that we've, you know, Rashawn and I have been having over a number of years and a number of kind of, um, you know, common experiences. And in particular, you know, Rashan was focusing a lot of his energy on explain everything uh, for a, a couple year period of time. And slowly in our conversation, he started to comment to me that he was starting to see that in a lot of pockets of his work in building a business, that he was, he was seeing that good teachers whether we were talking about marketers or salespeople or service professionals or leaders, that good teachers were really um, having an impact in those areas. So, you know, and, and as, as he was going through, like really learning about business, he was essentially seeing that, that teaching was, was valuable in all kinds of business spaces. And then on my side, you know, I was continuing to, to work primarily in education and, you know, I was starting to see that a lot of either the vendors I was dealing with or transactions I was making in my personal life, you know, I too was starting to notice that, you know, whether I was dealing with, you know, a plumber or a mortgage broker or a software company, that I too was starting to recognize that when I was dealing with people who were taking the time to teach me and to treat me as a capable learner, that I was getting the most out of those situations and the most out of those encounters. And so at a certain point, we just had that aha moment, this collaborative aha moment 
that you know we needed to see if we could could figure out uh, what principles from classrooms and schools would actually play well uh, for a business audience. And so we wrote an outline, you know, pitched it to uh, our our publishing company, and from there, you know, you get a series of yeses, and you just keep going. Nice, very nice. Thanks, thanks for that insight. And and so maybe to follow up on that, Rashawn, maybe I'll I'll um, I'll punt this one over to you. Uh, so but really, from what I'm hearing, the and have read the basis of the argument is that having a teaching mindset is pretty beneficial, if not highly beneficial, in business like corporate environments. Could you provide some examples of of where that works well? Sure, and I think I'll I'll focus specifically on the sales motions and activities because really that was the area of business we really started focusing on. At times we had the idea of the book title even being selling is teaching because both as a company that was selling a product, but also as a company that was on the receiving end of many um, sales pitches of various SaaS vendors and B2B vendors trying to provide services to explain everything as a company, I, I got very, my attention became very honed in on how are we behaving as teachers in our own sales motions and then how are the companies we're dealing with, our vendors, serving as teachers. So for example, um, I'll give an example from being on the receiving end. So we're a business and another company is trying to pitch their services. Let's call it an email automation tool. And kind of the first thing that I always pay attention to is how much background knowledge and how much listening are they doing in that first instance when they're trying to help connect their product to our needs. Companies that lead with just focusing on their own value proposition, what they do, what their features are, are not behaving like teachers and to a degree that type of information flow can easily be replicated or automated because it can just, they could have sent a video, they could have sent an email, they could have directed me to a website. Why have I gathered my fellow leaders into a room to listen to a call or a pitch where there's nothing really being served by all of us being in that room? On the other hand, there were other vendors in the, for this particular um, type of service we were looking for that really sought, before they even talked about what they did, really try to uncover what are our needs, uh, what have our experiences been, what are we trying to do, what is the makeup of our company, what is the culture, how are we located? And only then, when they started talking about their value proposition or, or their features, they were able to distinctively tie those things to what we're doing. And that, it seems like obvious to, in, the, in the way I'm talking about it, but this is the differentiation between just selling uh, and actually trying to teach and help us as learners make sense of the product that that's in front of us. And so then on the flip side, uh, for a company like Explain Everything that sells a, a digital whiteboard that's got a ton of features and isn't necessarily uh, aligned to just one or two very specific use cases, it's incredibly important that when we're engaging with customers, whether it's uh, automated, how we present ourselves on our website or for in, in calls, that we're trying to not just say like, oh, here's a list of features, but let's try to teach you about why um, this is going to be helpful in your, in your setting. No, thank you for that. <clears throat> so Steve, maybe on the flip side of that, just to follow up on what Rashawn was saying is, and he touched a little bit upon this, maybe you could expand is, 
what about where not having a teaching mindset could be the problem? Where, which mm-hmm. is probably a pretty large set, but uh, if you could mind honing in on a couple examples for, for our listeners, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think not having a teaching mindset, well, I'll start with the general. Like, essentially, if you want someone to truly understand you and then own the thing that you're trying to convey to them, then you have to teach, right? And so it, it sounds almost like I'm being a little bit of a wise guy here, but it's this idea that like, if you want someone to understand you, you have to take the time to teach them. And to me, you know, that's consistent whether you're talking to a parent of young children or to somebody who's trying to motivate like a high level team of executives that, you know, if, if you're going to walk into a situation and this is the sort of specific that most of us can see. And you're going to just rapid fire, give people a ton of information, right? That is parallel to lecturing in a college seminar. We've all sat through lectures. If you were to go into a college seminar right now and watch a lecture, and you were actually standing behind the students, you're going to see that most of the students, many of the students are actually just online and they're actually completely not engaged. It's the exact same way if, if you, know, you were sitting in a meeting and someone's just literally lecturing or they're on a, a call and they're, and they're just you know, talking a mile a minute. Um, that's a problem for learning. It's a problem for uh, a company also that's trying to convey information. And so you know, the problem there with sort of the lecture or the rapid fire transfer of information you're not giving people a chance to stop and uh, reflect on what you're saying. You're not asking them to internalize the information. You're not checking for understanding. So to me, again, it becomes a problem when you know, you're not actually communicating in a way that you know people can learn and do something with what you're saying. So, Sure. So, so maybe a follow-up to that is, is why does it seem, at least from my perspective, that that, that seems to be the exception rather than the rule. So finding someone who uh, wants to teach someone and to perhaps put themselves in their prospective client's shoes or customer's shoes, that seems to be more rare than people who are just saying, you know what, the, just, just give them the info and then let's go mm-hmm. and quantity over quantity. Do, do you think it's because people, A, don't know about it or they think that the way that they're doing it works? Or, yeah, I'd be curious if you yeah. have any insights on that. I would say that there's a couple things going on there. First of all, I think people think that it's going to take too much time to actually, like if I'm going to, you know, stop and teach, uh, it's going to take too much time. Um, And, you know, to to pull out like a a fairly common phrase here, you know, my feeling about, about teaching is that it's one of those things that if you slow down to teach, you will actually go faster in the long run because you'll save yourself time in the long run. And I'll give you just a quick example um, from pulled right from real life. You know, I recently went out to buy a new pair of running shoes and I went to my local running shop. I hadn't been there in a while because I was doing the Amazon thing. I decided to go there because it's the summer and I have some extra time. I walked into the store. I spent 15 minutes with, with, a salesperson because they have a new machine that actually takes pictures, three-dimensional representations of your feet and then spits them back to you on an iPad. He spent so much time with me talking to me about my feet and showing me like, actually he's like, look at this part of your foot. 
And then he brought out the shoes. And what he did for me was, first of all, I'm never, never buying shoes anywhere else ever again, right? So, so they've got me back as a customer. I'm bringing my kids there. I'm bringing my wife there this weekend. And it was because he took the time to really understand my feet, okay? Which is going back to what Rashawn was saying earlier. Like, he didn't start by trying to sell me these, like, new cool shoes that they have. And they did. They have a bunch of, like, new brands that I'd never heard of. He started by focusing on me, showing me pictures of, you know, my anatomy that I had never seen before. I'd never looked at before. And so actually what he's done is he saved me time and he saved himself time because now I'm going back. I'm going to find him. I'm probably going to keep buying the same shoe. It's a different shoe than I've ever bought before. But so again, like somewhere along the line, you know, the owner of his store, the, the boss, someone said, we're going to sell differently. We're going to become teachers. We're going to, you know, help our, our, our customers understand their running form better than they ever have. And so to me, again, that, that's a misunderstanding that, you know, I spend the time. Am I ever going to get that time back? Yeah, you are. So that's, to me, is always the thing in, in businesses is, you know, this is going to take too long. Uh, but I think teaching is worth the investment. No, thanks for that example. I can I can definitely relate to that. I've uh, I've been on one of those machines before, and I'm like, wow, it's, it's really interesting to see it. So, so, uh, so, so thanks for that. Uh, so maybe let's uh, shift a little bit to talk uh, a little bit more about the book, Rashawn. Now, what's the reaction been to the book and the concepts discussed in it so far? I know it recently came out. What May or so? Sometimes early, late spring, early summer. Yeah. So it's it's been a couple of months. It came out in uh, in early May, and. You know, the reaction's been, been really positive. You know, we were concerned, of course, that we'd cast too broad of a net or perhaps tried to be too abstract in trying to writing a teaching book, but it's positioned to a degree as a business book, uh, but we really wanted it to be accessible and, and relevant to, to multiple audiences. And that, that's, a, that's a tough thing. Like often you get the advice to be a little bit more focused and, and narrow and specific to one type of profile, but, but Steve and I were perhaps a little ambitious uh, in that. But what's been nice is to see that it actually has resonated across all of those audiences. And one in particular, which perhaps is not a surprise, are folks who work at ed tech companies. So these are businesses who are selling to schools. That, that's like one particular segment where I think it's particularly resonated because it's helping them understand the industry for which they're selling to, but they're also internally looking at their own practices saying, if we're going to be selling to schools um, and selling to teachers, that we ourselves have to think and uh, like and understand teachers better. So that's been kind of uh, something we didn't necessarily plan for, but has been certainly a welcome surprise. Sure, no, thanks for that. And, uh, and, and see, maybe the, the, the next question is kind of what Rashawn ended with is, is helping people in corporations to better understand uh, teachers and, and what goes into that process. What do you think is most misunderstood about being a teacher? I mean, all of us in, in different ways, shapes and forms have teaching backgrounds. I'd be curious uh, on what you think is most misunderstood about a teacher when viewed in the corporate world. And well, I mean, I, look, I, I don't know that teaching is always, um, you know, a, a wi widely respected field. I mean, I think most people would say that they have had, you know, a couple of amazing teachers that they would put into their hall of fame. Um, 
but I, but again, like a lot of people choose not to go into the the profession because you know they 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 think certain things about it. Um, one of the 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 main things that I've discovered in sort of crossing over into into business and and sort of spending more time with business people is that once you sort of get past terminology and and sort of muscle memory and sort of prior memory of like maybe bad experiences, people do start to realize that a lot of what they're trying to do in their day is teaching. You know, so before Rashawn was talking about selling, but I would say marketing is teaching, right? If you're trying to ensure that a group of people understand your product or your service, you know, and you're not saying, well, I have to do what great teachers do. Like I have to inspire this group of people to stop what they're doing, to concentrate on, you know, understanding something. So then I have to make sure that I'm pacing the knowledge transfer appropriately. And then I have to make sure that when they walk out of the classroom or out of the seminar or away from the commercial, that they actually start to feel internally motivated to change their behavior in some way. Like that's teaching, you know, that that's exactly what we're trying to do in, in every classroom I've ever walked into, you know, from kindergarten to, you know, college. And it's the exact same thing that, that someone who's trying to market, you know, you know, you really need your idea to live in someone's head and you need them to take an action that might be different from the action that they're doing routinely. So, Again, I keep coming back to, you know, it's, it's this idea that that's why we wanted to originally call the book Selling is Teaching. We wanted the is there because we wanted to just draw all of these common parallels between activities and really decompartmentalize like what people are doing when you're, when you're uh, servicing a product. If somebody comes to your house to service, um, you know, your boiler, you know, you you kind of want them to be a little bit of a teacher. You want them to explain what's going on in a way that's going to justify the, the expense and the time. And then when they finish, you know, you want them to sort of show you what they did and empower you to maybe potentially fix something in the future and then call on them for a more complex problem. Right. So uh, I would challenge your, you know, your listeners to, to start to see areas in their lives where they are either teaching or they are looking for a teacher, you know, and, and those to me are the opportunities. Perfect. Thank you for that. Uh, so Rashawn, last uh, meaty question for you is, you know, in your, in your brief intro, you, you talked about how you have this nice, or at least the way I interpreted it, you have this nice balance between doing things on the academic side, teaching at, at Columbia and, and some other places as a professor, but then also founding and running a company. Could you talk a little bit more about how do you think we can better bridge that gap that at least I perceive it to be a gap between what happens in academia and in the workplace or the industry or, or corporations? I, I think it's all about partnership and, and working together. I think, you know, my experiences from the education technology uh, a academic experience is that often the research universities are just analyzing and critiquing what, what people are doing or what organizations are doing and, and helping to provide information that understands it rather than being part of the process by which uh, those types of products are, are being designed or, or shaped. Um, 
you know, at the School of Professional Studies, uh, where I also am, there, there's a lot more kind of practitioner-based um, teaching and research that's happening there. So I think that particular school uh, has kind of embraced this much more uh, partner-oriented model and perhaps maybe schools that are more business-oriented um, or organizational leadership-oriented uh, ha have that mindset. But ultimately, that's it, that the, the role of academia isn't just to observe and then study and report on, but should actually be part of the narrative and part of the work helping to shape what is being studied instead of waiting to react to stuff that happens in the world and then researching and understanding it, uh, being on the forefront of working, you know, not, and not just on like research projects, but working with companies that are doing, you know, their commerce and their, you know, profit oriented work uh, and trying to find like a balance. It doesn't have to be either or. I believe it's possible to uh, have both things happening where you're studying it, understanding it, and making good decisions while also somebody who's driven by uh, profit or, or maybe that's the ultimate goal. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, it's a bad thing. I think it's possible to do good uh, while also doing commercially good. Perfect. Great insight. Thank you for that. And, and so maybe we'll just wrap up just by saying, um, uh, Steve, uh, what, and maybe we'll, we'll send this over to you and Sean, feel free to jump in. What's next? And I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I want to guess uh, and say that you're going to write another book titled Telling is Teaching, but I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, I've been working with Rashawn for long enough to understand our collaborative pattern. And usually it's you know, we're at the point now where we've, we've accomplished something, we've, we've shipped it, we've put it out into the world. And so we've shifted into just a lower stakes kind of play mode where, you know, just sort of sending each other ideas. And again, nothing needs to stick. It's just this idea of like, you know, what are, what are we reading? What are we thinking about? You know, we both uh, write every day on our respective blogs. It's just you know, a way to kind of keep noticing interesting things in the world. And, you know, the, I think to me, the joy of publishing a book is that for the year or two after the book is in the world, just figuring out how you can connect with people to talk about the book like we're doing now, to translate the ideas, because frankly, you don't always get it right the first time. Um, you know, you think the book is, you know, it's supposed to be a perfect artifact, but sometimes you figure out how to explain the book much better after it's in the world. And then, you know, figuring out when we do events around the book, like how can we not just repeat what's in the book, but do something that actually adds something special, uh, another layer to the book. So, you know, anytime we're doing an event, we're trying to, to push things further than they are just on the printed page. Uh, so that that's kind of what we're up to or what I'm up to um, in my part of this. All right. <clears throat> well, thank you for that. So here's, here's my plug. Definitely go out, get yourself a copy of this book. I think it's very important as, uh, as we, if we, as we've heard from both Rashawn and Steve and, and myself who has come uh, done a lot of teaching is there's lots of good things that are being discussed in this book make yourself clear how to use a teaching mindset to listen understand explain everything and be understood but feel free to go to make yourself clear.xyz where you can get more information about uh, the book both Rashawn and steve as well as how to get a copy for yourself 
Sean, Steve, gentlemen, thank you for your time. We really appreciate the, the insight that you've given to our listeners. And we look forward to staying connected and, and hearing about the, the great things that you're doing in the future. Thanks, Nabil. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you, Nabil. It's great. Thank you all. Take care.